1: I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And
2: I'm Scott Chasen with Fog.net.
1: This is a replay of WIBW's TV
2: show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network.
1: Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man in Indianapolis is Scott Chasen of Fog.net. Scott survive in advance, survive in advance.
2: That's the name of the game, Fitz, and hey, you think about it, one game at a time, can't take anything for granted. Uh, a couple of people who did, unfortunately, I saw an elder couple uh, check into to the hotel here last night, decked out full Ohio State gear. I felt very bad for them. Uh, obviously kind of took that first one for granted. Can't do that in the NCAA tournament.
1: Nope, Ohio State has packed up and gone home just when their fans are showing up. That's nice. You can interact with us on social media at Facebook.com slash The Drive Show, on Twitter at The Drive 13 and of course answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our twitter page and remember if you ever miss an episode of the drive you can listen to an audio only version that will appear each monday morning in the form of a podcast at both GoPowerCat and fog.net and we start things off with our two minute drill the two minute drill sponsored by vanderbilt's your work boot center Well, Scott, the Jayhawks advanced to the round of 32 on Saturday, though Eastern Washington gave them quite the scare. Should Kansas feel confidence or concern going into its second round matchup with USC?
2: Fitz, I think a little bit of both is kind of the fair answer here. I mean, uh, on the positive side, Kansas got David McCormick back. And what the Jayhawks got from their big man was probably more than could have been reasonably expected. In fact, Bill Self before the game said he thought McCormick might be able to go seven to 10 minutes, best case scenario, each half. McCormick ends up playing 15 minutes in the second half, 25 minutes for the game, came up right, you know, just shy of a 20 and 10 line. Uh, And he was so good down the stretch, not only with what he did, but just the attention he commanded uh, on the court, which opened up shots on the outside. It changed the way that Eastern Washington could attack Kansas. Uh, Even after an Eastern Washington barrage of threes, uh, the Jayhawks still were better with him on the court than Eastern Washington was. And Eastern Washington was up eight or so um, at halftime. So that told you how important and valuable David McCormick was. Another player stood out, Dewan Harris, just the impact he gave Kansas. Uh, He provides the team with some really good minutes off the bench. He can spell Marcus Garrett at point guard. Those two have kind of formed their way into such an invaluable role. Obviously, you'd expect that from McCormick. He's a starter, Uh, he plays big minutes. You wouldn't necessarily expect that from a guy like Dewan Harris. Uh, just considering where he is. But yeah, I mean, you have reason for concern too. You just let two brothers look, you know, absolutely go off against you. And uh, Tanner Groves was a load. I think scouting Eastern Washington coming in, I had a, uh, an idea that you might cause KU some problems, uh, but the Jayhawks are shorthanded. Okay. They've been dealing with COVID pauses. They've been dealing with issues and um, they'll have to figure it out against USC, a good USC team.
1: Uh, I tell you what, Scott, Tanner Groves I, is my hero. Well, first of all, he's got a lot of hair, which I just admire, anyone that can do that. But it was amazing how efficient Eastern Washington was throughout the course of this game offensively. It was almost like Bill Mm -hmm. Self told his team at halftime, we just got to outscore them. And and they put up more than 50 points in the second half, got it done.
2: Yeah, and, and let me just say this about that idea. You know, all these upsets happen, mid-majors beating these big teams. The, the recipe is don't turn the ball over, make your threes, make your free throws. And for the record, Eastern Washington did just that. They hit a bunch of threes, 38%. They went, made 50% of their shots, 16 of 18 at the line. For Kansas to win a shootout shorthanded against a team like that, I was actually very impressed by Kansas and it made me think more positively of their chances against USC. We'll talk about this later, though. USC is a very good team.
1: Yeah, I was I was impressed Kansas got out of that because I thought they were in big trouble.
2: Yeah. Well, Fitz, K-State season ended a little more than a week ago, but the Wildcats have already seen three players under the transfer portal. How concerning is this for Bruce Weber's team?
1: Well, it is when you consider that they went into the season with 12 scholarship players. One senior, Mike McGirl, has not announced whether or not he's coming back. That gets you down to 11. Montavious Murphy got injured during the course of the season. um, And he's attempting to come back, and we think he'll be back. But still, that's in question. And now you've lost... Three players, DeJuan Gordon being the most significant of those three. Uh, He has departed, a guy who started quite a bit his first two years at Kansas State. Um, Antonio Gordon, his his classmate in that sophomore class, has also departed. And then backup point guard Rudy Williams, a junior college transfer who's behind Nigel Pack. You really can't blame him for leaving because he probably just wants to play more for his senior season. Still, that kind of gets K-State down to eight or nine players for next season, meaning they have uh, probably five open scholarships at this point, uh, maybe four, and they have already signed, this is an incredible stat, they've signed 13 guys in the last two recruiting classes. There were five players in that 2019 class. And Montavious Murphy's the only one left, and he's perpetually injured, he's got really bad knees trying to make a comeback. Uh, That was supposed to be the foundation of the rebuild after losing the big three. Now that foundation is gone and you're leaning on this eight-man recruiting class that came in last year Rudy Williams leaves It's seven now you've got five freshmen in the class and really uh, you know that's that's your Waterloo you, you can't lose that you can't lose any of those five freshmen uh, once you've lost the sophomore class for the most part you can't lose the freshmen too. Bruce Weber's programs really kind of in trouble here uh, but it, it looks like the the administration at Kansas State's gonna stay the course of Bruce Weber they've said so Gene Taylor the AD and, and Scott They're back into having to recruit four or five guys. They got one signed in the early period, one committed. But with at least two, maybe three more scholarship openings and not a big history of getting into the transfer portal, they Mm -hmm. have to get into the transfer portal and find some guys that can help next season because you will have no seniors on the roster unless Mike McGill comes back for his bonus season.
2: Yeah, well, Fitz transfers, I think, for a number of programs are going to be huge. It it does sound like for K-State, I mean, this is this is the time If Bruce Weber is indeed sticking around. He's going to have to find some dudes with some college experience.
1: Yep, absolutely. We'll see if they can go find some guys that can bring some leadership and points to this roster. It's really a mess. (laughs) Well, Scott, the Big 12 had a big first round of the NCAA tournament with six teams advancing. Come on, Texas. It was almost perfect. (laughs) What do you make of how the conference has performed in March so far?
2: Well, Fitz, obviously, and you know this, we're, uh, we're recording a little bit early on Sunday, so we don't totally know the results of all the games. Texas Tech obviously just fell uh, in, in a really, or excuse me, not Texas Tech, West Virginia, in a really good contest uh, against Syracuse. But look, the Big 12 validated uh, a lot of the hype, a lot of the things that people said about the conference just in the, the first round. You think about a team like Texas Tech, a popular upset pick against Utah State uh, that, you know, Chris Beard really asserted and showed that, you know, he is... Um, maybe that next kind of up and coming coach ahead of some other guys at other conferences that people think, um, you know, might be there. Think about what Baylor did today, just beating Wisconsin, a Wisconsin team um, that the metrics favored said was a, you know, had a legitimate chance to upset Baylor who wasn't playing as well. Nope. Scott Drew and Baylor handle business. Obviously, Bill Self's team in Kansas, uh, you know, they survived what could have been an upset bid. Oh, you a 50 50 game against Missouri that easily could have swung in the balance, especially uh no Davion Harmon there for the for the Sooners. So, um, you know, this, this conference will come down to what Baylor does, what Tech does, although uh, you may know more than we do right now, uh, what Oklahoma State does, and, and maybe even what Kansas does. But look, the Big 12 teams advancing out of the first round wasn't a fluke, just like the Big 10 having three teams lose. Maybe that showed uh, just a little bit. It doesn't mean the conference is bad, but you know, certainly it, it does show that, you know, some of these Big 12 teams are battle tested. It's the best conference for coaches in America. I I was pretty impressed with what I've seen from the Big 12 uh, so far.
1: I was too. I I thought the only team that didn't play well was Texas. They just weren't focused. They they couldn't handle Abilene Christian for whatever reason. That was a physical mismatch that Texas Mm -hmm. still lost. I I couldn't wrap my mind around how the Longhorns played so badly. And then West Virginia just ran into that Syracuse zone in in the second Mm -hmm. round. And that's just a nightmare. I've seen K-State run into that zone and it's just not fun. Uh, on short preparation. Uh, do you think we're going to end up with some teams in the Final Four from this conference? At least one?
2: Yeah. yeah. I think one is probably the bet here, you know, although I may not be the guy to ask three of my four final four picks have already been eliminated. So uh, I guess look out Gonzaga. But uh, yeah, I I still think the Big 12 has a great shot. You know, about that Abilene Christian team, uh, Bill Self said earlier today that that team played the hardest he's ever seen a team play in his time coaching period. You know, that's obviously a pretty big compliment. That's what they do, though. They force turnovers. They draw charges. They uh, make life miserable for the opponent. And certainly they did that for Texas.
1: And the kid from Kansas he stepped up and hit the two free throws to win the game now a quick look at your poll question results the poll questions are brought to you by midland exterior love the home you live in call today for a free estimate here's last week's question will a big 12 team reach the final four i just asked scott that same question 56 percent of you think one will 17 thinks there'll be a couple of them or more Mm. maybe seven Seven in the final four. And C, no was 27%. Here is this week's question. What was the biggest surprise of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? And here are your answers. There's four of them. A, Oral Roberts over Ohio State. B, Abilene Christian over Texas. C, Syracuse upsets West Virginia on Sunday. Or D, Illinois upset by Loyola Chicago. And make sure you vote on our Twitter page at TheDrive13. Well, that would do it for the first half of the two minute drill, but we'll be right back with more on KU and K-State on the drive.
0: Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky
1: welcome back to the drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill the two-minute drill is sponsored by vanderbilt your work boots center and scott you caught up with bill self earlier today what's the latest on the status of jalen wilson will he be able to play tomorrow and was bill self hard to catch he seems like he might be <laughs> like had some good moves and it would be really tough to track down
2: no i was able to chase him down no of course over zoom and and fits. Yeah, it does look like Jalen Wilson's going to play. You know, uh, the NCAA did a really good job in terms of seeding teams and and making sure the teams dealing with COVID-19 got to play uh, on that Saturday rather than the Friday. That helped David McCormick go through a full day of practice Friday. For Jalen Wilson, KU draws the last game on Monday, and that's a best-case scenario for Kansas. Maybe they would have liked the game an hour or two earlier, but Jalen Wilson will travel to Indianapolis. He will be there for the first time that Monday morning morning he gets in 9 30 or 10 they practice at about 11 30 a.m local time and then it's a, a long wait for hours until the game but honestly that's perfect if you're Kansas that gives you a chance to monitor him to do the same thing you did with David McCormick Cook him up to a heart monitor see how his uh, body is responding and see how he's doing and you know, Bill Self, before David McCormick played, like I, I mentioned, he projected maybe 20 minutes for David McCormick. David McCormick blew through that. He said to media uh, just earlier today that, you know, Jalen Wilson could be maybe three minutes, maybe 10, maybe 15. And I saw a lot of people jump on that and say, no, it's the same thing as David McCormick. He's going to blow through that. But this is this situation is a little different because that projection on David McCormick was made. It already checked him out they haven't seen Jalen Wilson yet in person they haven't had him go through a team shoot around um, even though obviously he won't get a full practice before he goes they haven't hooked him up to stuff here to see what he can and cannot handle so uh, when Bill Self says maybe 3 minutes maybe 15 yeah I mean if Jalen Wilson is good to go yes he's going to play a lot more than 15 minutes he's a very important player against a USD team that has size Evan Mobley is a top 5 NBA draft prospect he's an outstanding exceptional big man it should be a great matchup but it, it he gets here and fatigue's a little bit more of an issue than he'd think, or you know maybe he doesn't have the bounce that he normally plays with. Uh, those kinds of things. It, it wouldn't shock me if Jalen Wilson is a little bit more hindered. Fits uh, than I think the Jayhawks have been used to seeing. Uh, he's a guy who's obviously so important. Uh, He's been so good. He's their third leading scorer. Uh, He's their second leading rebounder, or or is their leading rebounder, their best defensive rebounder. They need him, but more importantly, they need to know what he can and cannot provide. You don't want to go into a game where you really can't tell with a guy and it's down to the second. You want to have that time. looks like they got it, Uh, so they'll figure out what he's able to do and then let him play in the game. Very good. Well, Fitz, Skylar Thompson is actually taking non-contact snaps in spring football. So let's go to the gridiron for Kansas State. How good is K-State's quarterback depth?
1: It's really remarkable, and it could be mostly because I didn't expect Skylar Thompson to be of any value here in the spring mm-hmm. other than coaching. But he's coming back from a severe upper body injury. The timetable on his recovery was much longer than what it's actually taken him. And Chris Kleiman said, He's throwing the ball around like nothing happened. We believe it was a torn pectoralis muscle, which is a pretty severe injury, particularly when it's on your throwing arm uh, for a quarterback. But there he is. He's back. He's not in any contact. So whenever they get to any live drills, it'll be the young guys and and what a crew of quarterbacks they have um, at for you know the backup job. And we, we think it'll be Will Howard returning for uh, his second season at Kansas State he played in relief with Skyler much of last year so that was really valuable time for him and uh, Jake Rubley the four-star recruit comes in he's a Colorado native tried to play in Iowa but only got in a game or two before he was shut down Rubley is going to attempt a red shirt and that means the third stringer will be Jerron Lewis the uh, kid who hasn't even seen the snap yet but they rave about him and about his arm strength and and I think we're going to see them get a little creative with their use of quarterbacks Courtney Messingham, the offensive coordinator, hinted at using a backup quarterback in more of a wildcat quarterback role. I wonder if that's, you know, Jerron or Will Howard, who would that be? Uh, but having Skylar Thompson back on the field is absolutely enormous for this team. He's a uh, you know, fifth year, sixth year senior. He gets that bonus season. He would have gotten another season because of the injury anyhow. But <clears throat> just having Skylar around the program is enormous. But having him be able to take... Uh, snaps in practice even if it's non-contact is a huge benefit but uh, uh, this really sets up the quarterback position for years mm-hmm. to come at kansas state with some really really good depth and i think everyone's a little excited to see jake rubly and and the the cool thing is now with the new rules he could play if they they want to four games next season without burning his red shirt so it really does mean their depth at quarterback is very impressive
2: mm-hmm. yeah Fitz, the the thing that stands out about quarterbacks to me, and I don't mean this as a slight at all to Skylar Thompson, who I actually think is underrated, but uh, experience, especially late in your career, can take a pretty good player and turn him into a really good one. It would yep. not shock me at all, even coming off an injury, as Skylar Thompson shows a lot next yep,
1: year. I would agree. And now we step out of bounds, and Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years.
2: Well, Fitz, Loyola, Chicago, you recognize that name, mm. eliminated K-State in 2018 and then Sunday took out Illinois, a top seed coached by Kansas native Brad Underwood. It's how do the Ramblers do it?
1: Oh, my gosh, they're so efficient. It's absolutely incredible. I mm. find po- Porter Mosier, their cor- their coach, one of the more intriguing guys in the profession to me, because before he went to Loyola, he, he'd won like, I don't know, 35% of his games or something. He was not, you know, a hot commodity. And this really seemed like an odd hire, even for a Missouri Valley program. And now he's really established himself as a great, great college coach. And uh, you know, they've got a, a wall of culture there where they have everything that all the players need to pay attention to when they're on the court. And Scott, they pay attention to everything. I, I, this team is so efficient offensively and defensively they they know what they want to do on each and every possession. They they come down on offense and run great sets, get good looks at the basket, and if they're hitting baskets, because they can score inside and out, they're really tough to outscore because you go down on the other end, and defensively, they're just absolutely amazing. They're really fun to watch, unless it's your team playing them. Uh, and of course, they went to the Final Four at K-State's expense in, in 2018, and now they took out my champion in my bracket, Illinois, mm-hmm. And they had Illinois, I don't, Illinois never led in this game. They had them on the mat, they just wouldn't let them up. It was really impressive to watch.
2: Yeah, Fitz, the comparison I could make that I think every single person can relate to is you go to the rec gym, you play with people who don't know how to play versus those who really know how to play. And it's just so much easier and fun and exciting and creative and people know how to cut and you can make good passes and the ball moves. That's what it almost feels like sometimes. They just have a bunch of dudes who are good and who know how to play at such a high level. Don't always see that in the college game. It is really great to see.
1: Yeah, the 40 year old guys in city league that you're not impressed with in warmups and then they bash your teeth in. It's just exactly <laughs> what it is. Now let's hear from the fans. Our fan question this week is, I saw the Jayhawks are an underdog to USC. Do you think that's fair? And that's from Ted in Topeka.
2: Yeah, one, one and a half point underdog, depending on where you look. I I do think that's fair. USC, very similar to Loyola Chicago, is a team that was actually ranked top 10 in Ken Palm, the sports analytics site. So um, some people are very high on them. Now, they don't have the best record in the world uh, against some of those top teams. But just matchup wise, if you think about it, Evan Mobley, seven-footer, athletic, so skilled, so so much ability, especially defensively, three-and-a-half blocks a game. I'm not sure how Kansas necessarily, with a, de- a depleted front court, uh, really matches up against the Mobley brothers. Kansas has struggled with length. This is a matchup to me where Kansas has to hit three-point shots. That's been hard for Kansas this year. So uh, I think being a slight underdog, even though the seed line would say three versus six, six I think a, a slight underdog is fair here.
1: And keep in mind that the Pac-12 went unbeaten in the first round. It was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at the Drive 13 And when we return, we look at our predictions here on The Drive. Welcome back. As we head down the home stretch of this week's show, now it's time to take a look at our predictions. Or remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive Thirteen. Let's look at last week's results. If we have to, uh, the viewers <laughs> went two and one. Scott went two and one. The other guy went one and two. It's one of the most pathetic showings of picks in the history of sports. Here's this week's picks, and we're going to start off with the third-seeded Kansas Jayhawks and number six USC. We didn't go with the spread. We just did a pick 'em to make it easier. Scott, you're going with. I think I'll
2: take USC in this one. Too much size, too much uh, athleticism would not shock me if Kansas won, but I, I think I'm picking USC.
1: Okay, I'll take the Jayhawks on that one. <laughs> Next is number five Colorado and number four Florida State. A good another matchup that we're going in with a pick 'em. You say. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: Fitz, analytics, loves Colorado. They make their free throws. They don't turn it over. Give me Colorado to keep their
1: role going. I'm with you on Colorado. I'm a a fan. I saw them early in the year. That's who K-State opened with in one of their first two games. Our last game of the week is number one, uh, Michigan, a a five-and-a-half point favorite over number eight, LSU. I thought that was an intriguing line at only Mm -hmm. five-and-a-half. Who do you have? Fitz, I'll I'll mix it up. Give me LSU.
2: Make it interesting. Maybe they don't win, but they certainly give them a scare.
1: Very good. I will take Michigan happily. I'm pretty confident that means LSU will win. Uh, Again, make your picks on our Twitter page, at TheDrive13. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock, sponsored by Carpet One, by Local, for a strong local community. We start with Scott Chasen in Indianapolis.
2: Well, Fitz, I mentioned having three Final Four teams already out in my bracket. And you know what? When the first one went down, Ohio State, I found myself rooting for Oral Roberts to spring the upset just because it's so much more fun. That's what March Madness is. If your bracket is like mine, it's a complete mess and ruined, root for the chaos, embrace it, enjoy it, because that is truly what makes March Madness so special, I think, and uh, really the best sporting event, in my opinion, not the best way to crown a champion, but it is the best sporting event out there.
1: It's a blast. It's an absolute blast. You're right. Just kind of go with it. I didn't know going into this tournament whether we'd have – you know, just follow the seeds because of COVID or it'd be a total mess. Well, it's kind of fallen in be, in between. Uh, I know a lot of K-Staters are a little upset right now about Bruce Weber losing players off of his roster. It's been an ongoing problem, but the transfer portal is gigantic this year. So many players are going into it for various reasons, whether it's they, went sideways on team rules or academics or they just want to find a new home, the transfer portal is going to be packed. I know k State's going to lose probably more players into the portal. Now it's about who they can get out of the portal. you got to win some of these victories and bring in some players that will help K-State immediately. Well, that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media. Okay, picture this.